to Wrestling Recommendations, episode 72. I am your host, Eddie Shepard, along with the sick... Uh, Travis Laster. Uh, sounds like I'm talking through a fucking tube inside of a barrel um, that is hot one minute cold the next. But we are alive and well, so we're fucking here at this point. Yeah, we are. I've had a cough for, like, weeks. I can't shake it. And um, you have this nasty little bug going on right now uh my wife has a viral infection so that's going on right now as well um i know covid is is creeping around again on people as well i know she tested negative and you said you tested negative so it's just kind of wild yeah um if you hear a click where i mute my mic that means i'm coughing so i'm not trying to cough in your ear holes um usually our velvety tones i know make uh, certain areas of our listeners voice but they probably will not today they tingle at least that's what I've been told in some of the uh, 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 message boards. <laughs> well, that's what Eric tells me all the time, but his opinion means nothing to me. That's true. Fuck you, Eric. So, guys, this week uh, we're going to dive right back on into NXT as we bring you guys Keith Lee versus Dijakovic uh, yes. for the NXT North American Championship from TakeOver Portland. The cool thing about this show is this is just a mere uh, month before the uh the world would go on lockdown yeah and cost us our tickets to nxt and all that great stuff we had tickets for april so excited so excited to see them and we didn't get to see it i'm bummed i'm bummed about it um so let's just go ahead and dive right on in travis Uh, i know you're not feeling well so let's dive right on into the competitors uh dominic dijakovic uh, Christopher Dijak was born April 23rd, 1987 in Lundberg, Massachusetts. Uh, shocker, he's from Massachusetts, and all of his gear is very Maryland-esque. Yeah, uh, I uh, will probably refer to him as Dijak throughout this match because Dijakovic fucking sucked as a name. Um, and, I mean, I know that's what he got handed just because he was in NXT. They got older your name, blah, blah, blah. But, yeah, I, I will refer to him as Dijak. Oh, yeah. So that's why I have it as well. Dijak was a standout three-sport athlete at Lundberg High School, excelling in football, which led to him playing both basketball and football in college. Dijak began his professional wrestling career in 2013 under the ring name Donovan Dijak. Dijak joined Chaotic Wrestling, training under Brian Fury and Todd Hansen. Hansen being Ivar of the Viking Raiders. I thought that was an interesting fact. That was interesting. I did not know that. Yeah, uh, which is funny because they're both signed by the WWE. He would make his uh, debut in Ring of Honor in July 2014 at Future of Honor 2. Dijak would go on to win the 2015 Top Prospect Tournament, defeating Will Ferreira uh, in the finals. This victory allowed him to face Jay Lethal for the Ring of Honor World Television Championship. However, he refused to take this opportunity and instead joined Truth Martini's The House of Truth, establishing himself as a heel. During this time, he would show up in other independent promotions like Westside Extreme Wrestling, WXW, and Beyond Wrestling. 
basically working a who's who on the independent scene, such as Eddie Edwards, Chris Hero, Tommaso Ciampa, Sammy Callahan, Kyle O'Reilly, Matt Riddle, Bobby Fish, and Marty Skrull. In January 2017, WWE pulled a contract offer from Jack following legal threats from Ring of Honor, who still had him under contract. The following month in February 2017, Jack opted not to resign with Ring of Honor, putting his career on hold, waiting for another contract offer from WWE. I don't remember this become, being like a big news story at the time. I don't either, uh, and it might be because... He, I mean, I know he was making an imprint on the independent scene, but maybe it's because he wasn't one of the top, top names of the time. Because um, he wasn't, he was just kind of in that stable in Ring of Honor. He wasn't making huge waves there. Um, but he, I mean, he just had a presence about him. So, I mean, everyone kind of knew who he was. But I don't remember it being a big, you know, to do at the time. Uh, funny fun fact around this time period, so around this early 2017 time period, I remember getting a message from uh Dijak on Instagram about wanting to work in GW, and it just never panned out. We never got him. Um, because this is kind of in this lull period before he would actually get another contract offer from WWE. So fun fact. During this break, he began having big matches with Keith Lee and Gabe Sapolsky's Evolve Wrestling. Fuck you, Gabe. Yeah, fuck you, Gabe. <laughs> if you go back and listen to past episodes, you know why I don't like Gabe Sapolsky. Uh, he would continue to work on the indies, wrestling on Progress Wrestling, and continuing his feud with Keith Lee into Pro Wrestling Gorilla. In July 2017, it was reported that Dijak was finishing up his independent bookings ahead of joining WWE. Dijak reported to the WWE Performance Center on August 21st, 2017. His signing was officially announced by the company in September, and he would make his NXT Live debut on September 23rd. His television debut came on May 30th, 2018, and a loss against Ricochet. In July 2018, WWE revealed Dijak's new ring name as Dominic Dijakovic. Not a fan. Not a fan of that name. Uh, just to take a step back, I can remember when I Dijak really got on my radar was those matches with Keith Lee um, because they were tearing it up all over the country, essentially. Um, that's what he really, like, I really started knowing who he was. But, yeah, that ring name fucking sucked. It's still not as bad as T-Bar, but it's still pretty bad. Yeah, uh, I, I remember hearing stuff about them in uh, Pro Wrestling Gorilla. Not really so much Evolve, but uh, Pro Wrestling Gorilla is where I started hearing um, about this. Uh, we'll talk more about that when we get to Keith Lee. Um, but promos started to appear in December of 2018, promoting the debut of Dominic Dijakovic, officially making his debut as a heel on December 19th during an episode of NXT. Following WrestleMania 35, he was set to feud with then NXT North American champion Velveteen Dream over the championship. However, in April 2019, he suffered a torn meniscus that would require surgery, and he would be out of action until late July. Um, these guys getting hurt, it kind of sidetracked them. Yeah, imagine the feast your eyes versus the Velveteen Dream at the time. That would have been some great promos, at least for the Velveteen Dream, but uh, sadly didn't get it. Yeah, Velveteen Dream also just made his debut back into wrestling on an indie show and got some uh, got some mixed things said. However, I do think the promotion that booked him handled it in the best way possible. They essentially said everybody deserves a second chance, and um, yeah. you know we're trying to give him a second chance. Um, so, I mean, to each his own. I mean, nothing. He was never 
proven to be guilty of anything. Um, there was evidence out there that he was talking to an underage kid. Um, but I mean, guilty until proven innocent, I guess, or innocent until proven guilty. Sorry. Yeah. Just flip that around. <laughs> well, in some of these cases in Twitter court, it's the opposite. So that's why I'm so used to talking about it. Um, but yeah, so Velveteen Dream and him were you know scheduled to have a, a bout, but he would be out until uh, late July with that torn meniscus. On November 13th, 2019, during an episode of NXT, Dijakovic turned babyface when he joined Team Ciampa for the War Games match with Tommaso Ciampa, Matt Riddle, and Keith Lee against the Undisputed Era for TakeOver War Games. Riddle, though, would leave the team to take on Finn Balor due to Johnny Gargano being injured, and he kind of stepping in and being the replacement uh, to take on Finn Balor. Uh, Dijakovic and Team Ciampa would defeat the Undisputed Era with Riddle's place being taken by Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens returned to NXT for one night and got a huge pop. Yeah, I was about to say his pop when he came out was tremendous. He came out wearing the old Kevin Owens shirt with like the duct tape uh, look to it. It was awesome. Yeah, I, I was a big, big fan. On the January 29th, 2020 episode of NXT, Dijakovic defeated Damian Priest to become the number one contender for Keith Lee's NXT North American Championship at NXT TakeOver Portland. So on the other side of the ring, Travis, Keith Lee! Keith Lee was born on November 8th, 1984 in Wichita, Wichita Falls, Texas. He was introduced to professional wrestling at a young age by his grandmother, who was a fan herself, and credits her with inspiring him to pursue a wrestling career. Lee played college football at Texas A&M, but quit to become a professional wrestler. Lee was trained by Tim Brooks and debuted on the independent circuit in 2005 under the ring name Kevin Payne. Great ring name, said nobody ever. <laughs> Anybody, any last name Payne is not great. It's, it's not really well thought out. In 2008, he began wrestling under his actual name, Keith Lee. During that same year, Lee would have a WWE tryout but would not receive a contract. This is talked about in his little um, documentary they, they did on the network at the time. Uh, I think this is pre-Peacock days or right around that time. Um, I can't, it's, it's kind of a blur, but he talked about how William Regal was there and told him pretty much to get out there, get more experience, and um, not basically not to give up. Yeah. It was, it was right around his time when he becomes the NXT and the North American champion. He's hold both belts to do that little, because he used to do those little side projects. They're only like an hour long. They did one on Riddle. They did one on Keith Lee. I think they did one on Bianca one time. Um, it might've been the arrival ones. I can't remember if that's what it was. I think it's what it was. I, I, remember that's what I, was, I was trying to think I of the remember. name. I think it's arrival. I, I do remember it though, because it was, it was really good. It really gave you a uh, a look into his background and where he came. Uh, I kind of miss them doing stuff like this. I feel like they don't do it as often now. Um, just like the WWE 24, they haven't been doing those lately. Um, those are amazing. I, I love stuff like that. And they they kind of dropped the ball because I think it's a lot to do with this A&E uh, contract yeah. that they have. I think that's why they've not done as many. Well, and, and maybe now with TKO, coming back in because they're big for doing that with UFC stuff, like the lead ups to the fights profiles on the fighters, stuff like that. So maybe that'll come back around. I really, I, I really hope so. Because like you, I, I enjoyed watching, uh, 24. I enjoyed watching, uh, was it three sixty five where they followed somebody for, for a That's year? Good. Um, it just, 
just those little things they did. I mean, it, it just made the network feel like you were getting more of your money's worth because they were giving you exclusive stuff that you couldn't get anywhere else. And now on Peacock, it's kind of few and far between because really they're just giving you their new shows content. That's about it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, even with a lot of the older stuff, they've stopped putting the older stuff on there. Um, so there's there's gaps in things because they've 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 not edited them or what well I don't know what the case is necessarily, um, but they just they they've stopped putting stuff on there. It's kind of a bummer. I miss the WWE Network. Uh, Same. For the first ten years of his career, Lee wrestled almost exclusively in his home state of Texas. Beginning in 2015, Lee began wrestling more frequently outside of Texas. During 2015, Lee started making appearances in Ring of Honor with Shane Taylor, calling themselves the Pretty Boy Killers, the PBK, uh, mainly feuding with the War Raiders during this time. So it goes right back to Hanson and Rowe and, uh, of the War Raiders. Um, I think that's just kind of weird. They all have kind of parallel careers. Uh, you'll, you'll start to realize this independent scene right around this time, such a sweet spot for so many talented guys around this time period. Well, and that, and they're like, a lot of these guys are now integral parts of big promotions like AEW, TNA, WWE. Um, also, you call your team the Pretty Boy Killers and immediately feud them with two of the burliest, manliest men-looking guys out there. Uh, that didn't really make sense for the day. Just saying. No, no. In January 2017, Pretty Boy Killers entered into a feud with the Briscoe brothers when Lee and Taylor attacked them <laughs> and slammed Jay Briscoe through a table. However, the next day, Lee announced he was leaving Ring of Honor. Yeah. Uh, so you, you move from the War Machine Viking Raiders to two of the next guys that aren't considered pretty boys in the Briscoes. And then you just leave the company. So It's it's weird that I call them the uh, War Raiders because they were the War Machine before they were War Raiders. <laughs> and then they became it's the true. Viking Raiders. And they were the Viking experience there for a week. Remember that? Oh, God, no. That's so terrible. Why I mean, I remember what, what kind of name is that? Thanks, Vince McMahon. I don't understand why he always has to add a little. He always had to add little tweaks to things, as if they were like, "Oh, you know, it'd make it his own." It's terrible. On February third, twenty seventeen, they faced the Briscoes, where the match ended in a no contest. This would be Lee's last appearance in this version of Ring of Honor. Lee signed with Evolve in January twenty seventeen and made his debut at Evolve seventy six, losing to Chris Hero. He would go on to defeat Zack Sabre Jr., Tracy Williams, and move on to a feud with Matt Riddle over the WWN Championship. In October 2017 at Evolve 94, Lee defeated Matt Riddle to win the championship. Lee would go on to hold the championship until April 2018, where he lost that title to Austin Theory. Once again, a lot of these guys very, very big around this time in wrestling, uh, even into now. Which is kind of crazy. Like when you think of, you know, Zach Saber Jr., Tracy Williams, you don't really hear a lot of. of uh, it's hot sauce, right? Yep. Hot sauce, Tracy Williams. And uh, of course, Riddle. Riddle's actually tearing up the Indies right now. Um, doing, went back to um, MLW and he's been working all over uh, the country. So kudos to him. Well, and I got to see Keith Lee at um, uh, the Evolve show at WrestleMania that year. Um, he, was, he was there when I got to see him. So that was pretty, pretty cool to see. Yeah. Uh, during this time, kind of previous to this, Lee would also make his Pro Wrestling Guerrilla debut in March 2017, where we'd have matches with the likes of Brian Cage, Sammy Callahan, uh, one of my favorites, Jeff Cobb, Trevor Lee, and Leo Rush. In September, Lee made it to the finals of the 2017 Battle of Los Angeles, where he would be defeated by Ricochet. Lee's quarterfinal match with Dijak, which we've talked about, 
was awarded the five star rating by Dave Meltzer. That cut. Bleh. Fuck However, you, Dave uh, Meltzer. <clears throat> the match is really good. It is very is a very good match. Um, but fuck you, Dave. That doesn't change yeah. my opinions of you. Nope, not one bit. Fuck you. Fuck you, Dave. In March 2018, Lee defeated Chuck Taylor to become the Pro Wrestling Guerrilla World Champion. On April 21st at All-Star Weekend 14, Lee lost the title to Walter in a three-way match involving Jonah Rock, who's also known as Bronson Reed. On April 5th, 2018, during WrestleMania Access Weekend, Lee made an appearance for NXT, defeating Cassius Ono. That May, it was announced that Lee had signed a contract with the WWE and he would appear in attendance for NXT TakeOver Chicago 2 that June. In August 2018, Lee made his televised entering debut for WWE, defeating Marcel Barthel, which is Ludwig Kaiser. Throughout the rest of 2018, Lee wrestled sporadically on NXT television. On March 9th, 2019, Lee suffered an undisclosed injury. The injury resulted in an early end to his planned feud with Dominic Dijakovic, who he was supposed to face for the next two months. <clears throat> Lee, that name's terrible. It's Dijak. <laughs> also, quick, quick uh, thing here. I got to see Dijak and Keith Lee uh, live. I just, uh, I was trying to remember that, but they were uh, night two of uh, the Evolve show in Orlando. And then the night before Keith Lee lost to Ricochet. So wow. that's wild. I, I got to see this match before it got to NXT. That is pretty sweet. I remember you telling me stories. I remember you saying that you saw Osprey and you saw his girlfriend and uh, uh, you, you guys uh, like you just kept bumping into people that time. Yeah, it was it was wild. It was cool to see. Um, I also saw uh, Drew McIntyre versus Matt Riddle back then, too. That was the opening match of the first night of Evolve. So it's a pretty damn, I was looking back at the card right then and it was bringing back some memories, but yeah, I saw Deanna Perrazzo and Jay White sitting on a bench beside me watching uh, a super show. It was, it was fucking wild, dude. Fucking wild. Times. Wasn't there a match that we've added from that, from your time on that weekend to the list? Isn't there a tag match? Is it heroes never die? Yeah, there's, that was next to the other revolve show I went to, uh, that was at the, uh, meth lab gym off of, um, some back street in, <laughs> near Orlando. It was a different time, but yeah, um, the heroes eventually die. That was uh, Tommy End and Chris Hero. Great tag team. But yeah, um, it's just a wild time in wrestling, man. Just to think of all these names and where they are now. Um, it's 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 pretty damn cool, man. It's cool, man. Told you that time that time period of independent wrestling was awesome. Uh, Lee returned to action a month later in April of 2019. Uh, the feud would then pick up with Dijak, seeing these guys have some great matches on NXT TV in August and September, and they would also have an awesome triple threat match involving Roderick Strong that October. Uh, we've added that match. We talked about it. That match should have been on our list to begin with, but when I thought about that, I added it to our list. Yep. Hell of a match. Um, that time in NXT, like we were talking about earlier, it's kind of a blur because it's all the stuff's happening and then it just quits, just stops. Like everything just stops. So all of that just kind of compresses together in my mind. It's just, it's a time that's not talked about enough because so much bad things happen not too far after it, that a lot of the good stuff in NXT is forgotten in that little era. 
a lot of it too is this is you know when they start doing uh nxt versus AEW and the wednesday night wars and mm-hmm. uh nxt man i mean all things considered people can say whatever they want about AEW. nxt was on fire man they were having well, great matches week after week we've had this debate before and, it, and the thing of it is is NXT, if you look at it, and this is why I always think Vince McMahon's reasoning for changing NXT was bullshit. AEW had like top Hall of Fame stars that WWE had helped make or help establish even more like Moxley and Jericho. And then you have all these top guys from New Japan coming in. How is it not supposed to be NXT? Technically with the star power they had while NXT was building stars. Don't get me wrong, Adam Cole and all those guys were big stars, but the thing of it is, is you're breaking over a Jericho and a Moxley who two, three million people are seeing every week before they go to AEW. Like, I don't understand where the narrative was that they shouldn't have beat NXT. I always thought they were going to with the just with the roster they had. Well, thing is, too, I mean, NXT had been around for mm-hmm. since 20, 2012. And yep. AEW is a fresh new thing, so people are going to hop on the fresh new thing as well. Uh, they're going to want to watch it, and um, you know NXT put it on television. Like NXT had its fans, and mm-hmm. they did, I, to me they did not give it enough time. No, they they really didn't because I, I think a lot of those fans that were NXT fans were more of an indie based fan too, so they were split between. AEW and NXT. I mean, you had your NXT and your AEW loyalists, but it's like this shiny new toy over here. We want to watch and see what this is going to do. Um, and then you got these big names, Cody Rhodes, all these people are, are over here. And then you just have, you, you still have your established talent in NXT, but there's not as many big name people in NXT as there was AEW at the time. So I just, I never, like you said, they should have gave it a little bit more time. It wasn't like AEW was killing them in the ratings every week to where they were going to have to shut the doors. They were only losing by what, 150,000 fans every week or something close to it. I mean, it wasn't very big numbers that they were losing by. And it's not like when NXT, people stopped watching NXT because it switched nights. All those people went to AEW anyway, or you'd have AEW be averaging a million and a half people every Wednesday night. Yeah, and here's where I have a lot of problem with it because I've said it before on on, the, on podcast episodes and other podcasts as well that we've been on. Um, but NXT was my brand. Like, it was the one thing I went out of my way to watch. When it was on the WWE Network, it was the one thing. It was an hour long. It was super easy to watch. It was fun. And then they wanted to make it two hours. That's cool. But I feel like that's where we started having problems with it. NXT did not have to be two hours long. One hour would have been perfect. No, because one hour, and like you said, we talked about it before, you didn't get the same people every week. Yeah, you would have like a recap video of what happened, and then like next week Adam Cole comes back. But like you had so much repetition when it got to two hours that they had to fill that time. One hour, you could spread your storylines out. You could – have new fresh people with an established star established match on the show and, and and give those people time and extend things and you know keep people wanting to come back for more when you went to two hours it was like they overextended themselves a little bit because you had your top stars at nxt but the purpose of nxt was to establish and build new people too so when you're pretty much overextending yourself on that like become some holes some repetition and you're seeing the same people every week Old NXT, 
you wouldn't see people for two to three weeks sometimes. Say, I remember Sami Zayn, it was a big deal. He wasn't there for like a month. And then it's like, where's Sami Zayn returns this week? He wasn't hurt or anything. They just had little interview segments and stuff and then brought it back for a match like a month later. Well, that was the, that was the good thing about it too is because they would film three episodes of NXT in one taping. So you would get to see a, a big, like, you know, each show had like one big match on it and then everything else built up to something else or built to a few, like uh, Samoa Joe and Sami Zayn, that feud was built and that was built up. Then they had that huge long, like, one full episode of NXT was just Joe versus Sami Zayn in a two out of three falls match. It was awesome. So like, it, it was fun to watch, but like I, I take so much offense sometimes because this was my brand. I know you feel the same way. There was, there was a time period between, you know, 20, you know, 15 to 20 to this, you know, 2019, 2020 wrestling. Wasn't that fun to watch? Like WWE was so predictable, but when you watched NXT, it gave me a reason to want to watch it. Yeah, and that was it was our favorite thing to watch. We enjoyed the takeovers more than we did the pay-per-views because it just felt more fun. Like the guys seemed like they were actually getting to go out there and do the matches of the promos they wanted to. WWE at the time was kind of cookie cutter. You know, this guy's gonna wrestle this guy for one pay-per-view, and then you're gonna move to the next one. He'll probably get his win back. A lot of 50-50 booking. And XT feuds had a pretty clear-cut end and a pretty clear-cut beginning, and they rolled right into the next thing. Um, I feel like after Daniel Bryan got hurt and we knew he wasn't going to be able to be a full-time wrestler anymore, um, some of that WWE luster was gone for a little bit because they it was the same guys. They kept the same guys on top. NXT just felt fresh because they kept doing different stuff. And don't get me wrong, Seth Rollins was cool, but you had the the authority and that was the same storyline as a corporation in 99, 2000, 98, you know, but it was probably fresh to some fans, but fans that have been fans of wrestling for 30 years, like we have, we'd already seen that storyline play out multiple times at that point. So, um, yeah, NXT was my brand. I enjoyed watching it every week. Um, it was destination television, appointment television. Like I did not miss an episode. And if I did, I watched it just as soon as I could after that yeah and and that's the thing man is like when you think about it too because they pretty much you know from neville on it's like awesome and all it just gets better and better because neville's champion and then the whole thing was they built sammy up sammy sammy finally got the win went right into kevin owens debut and turning hill on him kevin owens wins the title we get the demon Finn Balor around that time, and then Hideo Itami, and then you have you know these guys are building up. You have tag teams like Gable and Jordan and uh, the Revival, and then you have uh, Enzo and Cass, which is super fucking entertaining. And then you had uh, the Vaude villains, like everything, like Blake the and Murphy, Blake, like, yep, yeah. And then four you horse the, women, the women, yeah, the women division. There was, I mean, it was like they could do no wrong. Like they took, you know, Adam Rose was fucking fun at NXT. I mean, they, they drilled it to death on the main roster and that, you know, not all gimmicks are made for the main roster. That one was one of them, but like, you just keep thinking that it keeps, you know, Finn Balor wins the title and then Joe shows up and Joe is in, and Balor is the big thing. And then fucking Nakamura comes. It's just like Bobby Roode, Austin Aries. And it's just like, it just keeps getting bigger and better. And, you're getting guys like Baron Corbin. Baron Corbin was fucking cool in NXT, man. And I think part of the problem with me and the main roster at the time was 
they would take one of these NXT guys that was over, hugely over. He'd have like a three-week run and then squash it. Tyler, Tyler Breeze. Breeze, number one. Tyler Breeze, super over. He has a pretty good feud with Dolph, and then they end up convoluting that with Lana and all that crap, and then Tyler Breeze is never the same um, after that. Um, he, even even uh, Alpha Academy didn't get off to a great start on the main roster. Um, it's American just, Alpha. American Alpha, sorry. <laughs> got an Alpha Academy in my head. But, but that's the thing, man. It's like you'd watch these guys, and you'd be super excited for them to show up on the main roster. And if I felt like – I know it's, it's cliche to say, but it's like it's not Vince's creation. So – he gives it three weeks. It doesn't get over. Ah, pal. You're not getting over. Squash. You're on main event. That's how it felt. Like, it didn't matter who they were. Uh, and Finn Balor, to an extent, after he got injured, never got back to the spot he was before he got injured at SummerSlam. Yeah. And then I think of, like, Kevin Owens showing up. And then, um, of course, he has that great feud with John Cena. And then, you know, right after that feud, he's, like, in the mid card. I mean, the kudos to him you know he's he they put him in that spot but i don't know man it's just i miss that version of nxt and don't get me wrong there's a lot of good dudes in nxt now i love dragon off i love uh i actually you know big fan that grew on me braun breaker man i fucking dig it uh carmelo hayes um there's a lot of these guys that are great but it's just not my nxt no and a lot it took a lot of took a lot of a luster away because Think of it as a and, and some of that's AEW's fault because we're not getting some of that talent you know would have went to NXT, some of that established independent talent that was so good. Um that was on NXT. They they're kind of trickling over to AEW. And they do have a lot of good stuff now, but a lot of their stuff now is they're back to making homegrown people. So some of these people don't come in with backstories or <clears throat> big indie names anymore, stuff like that. So You've got to get to know them. They're building them from scratch, like a Lola Vice, people like that. Uh, Chase U got over huge down there. But a lot of those people weren't well-known on the indies, so they come in here with not a lot of buzz. There was a time when you watched the takeover for NXT, part of the reason you watched the takeover to see who was sitting in the fucking crowd because that yep. was going to be the next big signing. Um, and AEW took some of that away. Um, and kudos to them because, I mean, those guys are making money and stuff, but it, it really did hurt NXT when AEW came in. Yeah, and, and you know, the, the things that we didn't see, you know, we didn't see Undisputed Era on the main roster. They could have run roughshod on one of the brands and definitely done huge numbers, huge things for the tag division, for the mid-card division, for, you know, uh, you know just, just getting in there and getting new faces in there. Um, but, you know, of, of course, it all kind of fell, fell apart. We'll, we'll talk about that here in a little bit. Uh, back on to Keith Lee, though. In November of 2019, Lee was among the NXT wrestlers who invaded that night's SmackDown episode, uh, seeing he and Matt Riddle attack Sami Zayn. This was due to the travel delays of talent coming back from Saudi Arabia. This is the infamous where they got on the tarmac and they wouldn't let them leave. Yeah, the one that, that uh, they don't really talk about a whole lot. I remember Gallows and Anderson talk shit about it on their podcast, you know, like they were pretty much just sitting there because the Saudi government wanted them to sit there. Essentially that there was nothing they could do. They were just stuck. Um, and a lot of it, I think was like a money dispute with Vince McMahon. And of course he's on a private jet and he's left and they're sitting on the fucking tarmac and can't leave. So I can understand why that would sour some people. 
on that whole situation. I could be wrong, but uh, didn't uh, Brody Lee also? That was one of the reasons that he was like he was he was like super pissed off as well. Yeah, essentially. I mean, like there was a lot of mad people in that, and I think I would have been too because it's like you're pretty much being held captive <laughs> without that word being used. Yeah, I, I remember it was a big ordeal, but this actually brought some cool stuff because we got um, uh, Daniel Bryan and Adam Cole wrestled in the main event for the NXT title belt. Yep. And that, I don't think that matches on our list at we all. We may need to add that one. I need to think about that. Yep. But th- th- uh, that's the same year we get the Survivor Series, which is like NXT versus WWE versus uh, Raw, or SmackDown versus Raw, which turned out to be really cool too. Yeah, so right around that time, so the night before that, we got NXT TakeOver War Games, where Lee was also on Ciampa's team when they defeated Undisputed Era and in a War Games match. The next night, he made part of in, uh, Team NXT in the Survivor Series pay-per-view, where they faced Team SmackDown in Raw in a 5-on-5-on-5 five 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 Survivor Series match, which Team SmackDown would win. Keith Lee, though, would be the last competitor to be eliminated uh being beat by Roman Reigns, they gave him a super big push. He had some, they, they made him look like a star that night. That's when everybody was like, Keith Lee's the next guy. Like, I mean, cause they, they pretty much anointed him in that, that elimination match. Cause he came out looking like a beast. Yeah. He gave that monster power bomb to Roman Reigns. And I thought it was over and he kicked out. Like he, he power bombed so hard that Ray, Roman literally bounced off the mat and he couldn't keep his shoulders down because he came flying off the mat with it. It was really a good time. I really thought they had big things planned for Keith. On the January 8th, 2020 episode of NXT, Lee won a fatal four-way match over Cameron Grimes, Damian Priest, and Dominic Dijakovic to become the number one contender for the North American Championship. He would go on to defeat Roderick Strong and win the championship. Lee then participated in the 2020 Royal Rumble match, but would be eliminated by the WWE champion Brock Lesnar. Uh, kind of a big moment. He The crowd popped super hard for him being in that match. Yeah, um, and that was another thing. He got a rub with Brock Lesnar. I know the name's tattooed, Taboo now, but at the time, man, he's in there holding his own with Brock Lesnar, and that was another thing. Like, they're going to push this guy to the fucking moon. Yeah, I, I, I full-on thought they were going to do something big with him. Um, but as we mentioned, DiJack defeated Priest to become the number one contender for Keith Lee's North American Championship, and that would lead us to take over Portland, the show. NXT TakeOver Portland took place on February 16th, 2020 uh, at the Moda Center in Portland, Oregon. This would be the first NXT TakeOver to be held on a Sunday. Yep. They wasn't sandwiched in with the WWE, like pay-per-view or live, like premium live event now uh, weekend. Um, And honestly, I thought this was going to be like uh, Keith Lee's send-off to be, um, because he got those two big rubs with people. I was thinking... They're gonna take it, take this off of him, and they're gonna push him to the moon for a match at WrestleMania. Um, but yeah, it, it was cool to see NXT getting their own little, own little spots because it showed the popularity of the brand that they didn't need a WWE show to pull in a crowd. Yeah, I think they did a few before this as well. Uh, I know there's the the takeover show where Johnny Gargano and. Uh, Adam Cole, where I think Cole finally wins the title, is one of the first one. That's just a kind of a standalone show. Um, but yeah, this is one. This is you know took place February sixteenth, so we're a little past the four year anniversary of this show happening. Um, missed it by like a week. Um, like essentially, it'll, when this debuts, it'll be a week uh, and to the uh, past the anniversary. And uh, of course, you know this is one month before the pandemic shuts everything down. 
Well, and this is also cool too, because in Triple H, to Triple H's credit, he always put NXT specials like this in a wrestling town. Portland had a huge wrestling background, that territory like, man, territory. Like he he always put their shows in a place that should draw, like whether it was Nashville, whether it was Portland, whether it's Brooklyn, whether it's Texas, you know, somewhere where there's Houston a wrestling. Rich, the huge background, rich history of uh, territories and promotions where people love wrestling, and it was smart. Charlotte, um, places like that, man. It was he he was very smart in the where he put the uh, takeovers. I'm really surprised we never got a takeover of Baltimore because I feel like Baltimore is another wrestling town as well. No, yeah, Great America Bash City. I mean, that would have been cool. You got to think there probably could have been plans down the line, but. When Baltimore's so close to New York, it was probably easier just to go to New York, try to pull that crowd in. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, really quick, so the card, Keith Lee versus Dominic Dijakovic would be the opener for the NXT North American Championship. Dakota Kai would defeat Tegan Knox in a street fight. This is after Dakota Kai turned heel on Tegan Knox at War Games, kicked her right in the face and left the team high and dry. Yeah, awesome. Awesome heel turn, too. And it made sense because of they were a tag team. The knee injury, all that stuff, it made it made just perfect sense. Dakota Kai is Bay. That's all I'm saying. No, mm. no, no uh, refuting that at all. I, I will uh, give you that one. Mm. Finn Balor defeated Johnny Gargano. This is the match that we were supposed to get at War Games, but Johnny was not cleared to compete. Um, so we end up getting this match instead here. Another good one. This is when Finn comes back to NXT with the, the red X on his back and all that stuff. Prince. Pretty cool. Yeah, I like that. Uh, Rhea Ripley defeated Bianca Belair to retain the NXT Women's Championship. This is her um, uh, Charlotte Cummins comes in and um, claims you know she wants Rhea Ripley at WrestleMania. So this is a big moment for Rhea Ripley around this time. Too bad you know the pandemic kind of sidelines it, which may have worked out best for her in the long run. Yep, I would say so. And it's funny, like that's kind of a dream match now on the main roster, Bianca and Rhea, and we got it here four years earlier. It's wild. The women's division was always constantly you know, stepping up, stepping up, and and this just goes to show it right here. Uh, the bros are weights who were oh, – go ahead. I, I'll be the first one to say when Bianca first came out, I was like, oh, man, she's going to be one of those that does the handspring elbow. She's going to live off the hair, the hair gimmick, and I didn't think she would be the superstar she is now, and I will be the first one to say I was fucking wrong. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not the biggest fan. I feel like once you've seen it, you've seen it. Um, but um, she's definitely uh, garnered a huge fan base, especially here in this area, because she's you know went to went to UT. So we get a lot of people who are huge fans. One of the for one of the last times me and Travis got to go to an NXT show, we sat right next to her family. Uh, she wrestled uh, Ember Moon, and she came out wearing a, a ball orange baby. Got the she crowd did. up. <laughs> She did, yeah, it was funny. She's like, oh, that's my base. I'm like, oh, cool. That's awesome. <laughs> the Broserweights, fresh off winning the Dusty uh, Cup Classic, uh, which is Matt Riddle and Pete Dunn, defeated the Undisputed Era to win the NXT Tag Titles. That match is on our list. Good I match. have always hated that name, though. The Broserweights. I like it. the whole idea where Riddle's just all, he's all chill, and Pete Dunn just shrugs his shoulders. I love yeah. it. Um they kind of have a weird falling out with it. There were some accusations that came out about Matt Riddle uh, and Pete Dunn was quick to be like, hey, fuck that guy. So uh, there's kind of weird <laughs> dissension after that between the two um, because they're tag champions as the pandemic starts, which is fucking wild to think about. Yep. 
And then Pete Dunn's not even there to lose the titles. It's Timothy Thatcher and Riddle. Yep. Because is it, it Pete Dunn stuck in the UK? In uh, England. Yep. Yep. Uh, and then, of course, the main event, Adam Cole defeated Tommaso Ciampa for the NXT title to retain it. Uh, that's where Johnny Gargano interferes and uh, costs Ciampa the title. So it kind of uh, continues their feud, which we were supposed to get. WrestleMania weekend was supposed to be pretty much the, the end of their feud. And uh, we end up getting it in a uh, empty arena, which is still kind of upsets me that that feud should have ended a better way. Yeah, that feud should have ended in front of people because that was the be- that, that was the best thing NXT had going there for a while was the feud between those two. And then Ciampa got hurt, so then you had to wait and wait and wait for it. And then when it came back to it, you know, it was still good. It was, And then they did the wrinkle where Johnny turns heel and T- Tommaso's the face, and it's it was just good stuff. Yeah. It, it makes me miss that time period. It was so damn good. But that's the that's the card, Travis. Uh, before we get rolling into this match, let's take a quick commercial break, and uh, we'll be right back with you. Next Generation Wrestling is an independent wrestling organization that runs professional wrestling shows in East Tennessee. We have been running shows since 2014 and have featured talented independent wrestlers from all over the world, with our shows being featured primarily on High Spots TV. Follow us on all social media platforms at NextGenTN to find out about upcoming shows. Hello, Wrestling Recommendations listeners. My name is Brian, one half of the Wrestling Purist Podcast, alongside my tag team partner and best friend, Jeff. We are the Wrestling Purists, two guys who share a love for the sport of professional wrestling and have been podcasting since 2020. Our flagship series, The Retro Review, is where we take a show from the past, bring it to the present, and cover it through the lens of a wrestling purist. We also have Pure Talk, an interview series where we welcome talent to the pod to talk all things professional wrestling. We can't talk about our pod and not mention The Shoot, a series where we get together with our good friends, Eddie and Travis, from right here at Wrestling Recommendations and shoot on whatever needs to be shot on. You can listen to us on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere podcasts are available. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, TikTok, and all social media outlets at WPPod1. All direct links and more are available at our website, linktree.com slash WPPod1. Come give us a listen as we give a pure take on professional wrestling. And we are back. Travis, if people want to watch along with us, they can pull up their Peacock app, go to NXT TakeOver, you can search that. You're going to go to Season 7, Episode 1. We're going to start at the 8-minute, 23-second mark. I hate that. I hate how you have to fucking find it. I'm sorry. I hate it. It's been hated, I hate it, I hate it. So, Travis, are you ready to watch this match? Does a bear cat shit in the woods? A grizzly magnum does. Fuck you. Alrighty, guys. Uh, we're gonna say three, two, one, and play. You're gonna see the NXT title belt right here. Beautiful title belt. I love it. It's a throwback. It's one of my favorite belts for uh, this time period. Also, love the fact that NXT would darken the crowd and put the lights on the ring. Still miss that aspect of it. Also, the opening uh, musical act for this show, fucking blue. Sorry, was not Poppy. a fan. 
Uh, yeah, I have it in my notes. Poppy performed to open the show. Uh, I enjoyed the, when they did stuff like that. I just made it think it yeah. made them feel jeer and different. So I like that. Right now, the crowd is fucking going nuts for both Dijak. We're going to call him Dijak and Keith Lee. Um, they were chanting Bask in his glory. And uh, these guys, man, the it's hard to argue. Uh, hard to argue. Dijak is a physical specimen. Dude, I mean, you don't realize how tall Keith Lee is till he's standing next to Dijak, though. Because Dijak's like, what, 6'8", six, 6'9", six, something like that. And then Keith Lee's only like a head shorter than him. But they are massive, massive men. Man, and I got to tell you, uh, we put this match on the list forever ago. I mean, we when we first started putting our list together, this was one of the matches I remember. Um you know, especially with it right before the pandemic started. Um, like I said, we talked about earlier in the podcast, but this is about a month before we went on lockdown. So this is pretty wild. Keith Lee moving so gracefully on his on his feet here. Look at this, man. Oh, Ooh. catches it. Just this match goes back to a lot of we've wrestled. You could see it when they work. We've wrestled each other a lot. So we're going to counter each other's moves kind of thing. Which I know people don't like. I love that aspect, though. He just barrels through the clothesline, hits a hurricane runner. Fuck out of here. That is a 320-plus pound man uh, hitting a hurricane runner. It is impressive. God, just look how much younger Keith Lee looks here compared to AEW Keith Lee. Just saying. Oh, man. But this Keith Lee doesn't oh. look super young. He still looks 45 here. <laughs> Crazy thing is he isn't. I like this. Look, they're just like you said. They know each other. They know pretty much every every guy's move here. There is some cool spots of this match, though. That I don't think I've seen in a lot of other matches, and we'll get to them like when they close light each other together and they just fall into each other and hit their knees later on. Love love stuff like that that you don't see often. He's like, no, you're not gonna you're not gonna chop me. Uh, really quick too, Travis, on the call for this match, Maro Nalo, Nigel McGinnis, and Beth Phoenix. What a what a group. Even Beth, I like Beth on commentary. I didn't think she was terrible. No, I, I love this commentary team, man. I love Maro Ronaldo. I know some people don't like his over-the-top stuff, but he was just so passionate for it. And Nigel is just so knowledgeable. Just no sold that chop. But Nigel's so knowledgeable. I love Nigel McGinnis' whole commentary. Even in AEW now, I think he tries to heal it up a little too much at AEW now. But this right here is prime Nigel on the call. Like, I loved him on the UK tournaments. Loved him on NXT. I thought him and Morrow were a great Ooh. team. And you could tell Beth is learning from them. And she she's really good. When she jumps in at her spots. She nails it every time. Like, I, I'm a fan of this commentary team. I couldn't say enough good things about them. This is oh sweet. My God. Fosbury flop almost catches him. Good camera work too to catch the to catch the surprise on his face. Oh, I like this because typically you get this spot, and it always happens. He's like, nope, blocks it. Nope. Even shakes his head at nope. He kicks him. He kicks him again, and he. He throws some amazing elbows Ooh. in this match. So this is the only complaint I have about this match is this spot, and it's so hard for them to complete this spot, like make it look as crisp as possible. So he's trying to suplex Keith Lee, and he barely gets him up, but Keith Lee sells the shit by rolling off the fucking apron. He just like he drops him, kind of rolls him onto the apron, and he falls off. I get how that would be difficult because he he's a tall guy, but Keith Lee's not... You can't really hoist him up and make it look like there's going to be a lot of impact there. Like, there's not a lot of um, 
height differential, I guess, enough for that. Like he can't just like Ray Mysterio press him up and drop his ass down on it. So, oh no, and and you got to you got to think Keith Lee's a big boy, and for him to just even get him up for a suplex like that is very impressive. He's already hurt his neck. It's fine. It's probably because he just did that too. He was like, "Fuck, he's heavier than I remember." Oh, man. So something I noticed too when Dijak actually comes out for this match, he is wearing a uh, a hoodie and it has Kobe and his daughter on it because it seems so long ago. But Kobe and his daughter just passed away like the month before this, like a month yep. before it. It's got uh Kobe and her like split face on the hoodie. I thought that I I didn't remember that part of it, but yeah, I was like, damn, they didn't die long before this and. That was crazy to see. You yeah, never saw that on WWE main roster. They would have never let that happen. No. No, I thought it was pretty cool. I mean, a lot of people were really – I want to say it was the night the Royal Rumble happened is when Kobe died, wasn't it? I, I want to say it was close to it because I remember I was texting you guys. I was like, they said just Kobe Bryant died in a helicopter crash. And everybody's like, is it fake? And I'm like, no, nah, it's not fake. It's on ESPN. So it was crazy time. Yeah, it was it was nuts. And then it's kind of wild because that event kind of led us on where we went from the rest of 2020. It's it's kind of wild to think about it. Just kind of spiraled after that. Just one one thing after another, after another, after another. I always like the way they yeah. dimmed the, the entrance way too. Made yeah, you, like made you watch the action in the ring. I also like too if you look on the on like the Tron back there, it shows Keith Lee's picture and it shows Dijak's picture, and you can tell like they're facing each other. I like it when they did stuff like that, just different things. I liked it. There's a struggle. Don't don't pull his tights down. Don't need to see that. <laughs> um, I, I also have my clap. They're they're hyped. I have my notes that to me, this essentially may be the peak of the black and gold era. Like, I don't think this is the highest it's pretty much going to get, and it's all kind of goes down from from this point on. Well, damn, he just rocked him with that elbow. But COVID really stole the momentum of NXT. Like, they th that tour they were about to take that summer was going to be awesome. Because you look at that that roster, Matt Riddle, Adam Cole, Undisputed oh. Era, these two guys. Uh, Damian Priest, I think, is still in NXT as well. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, Gargano, Champa, Balor, dude, we'd have we'd have got to see probably Gargano and Champa somehow on that that live event we were going to go to somehow, and then Balor would have been there. I, I don't know, man. Uh, it, it's a kind of a pipe dream now, but I was so excited to go see those shows that when they canceled them or didn't cancel them, we were like holding out hope, holding out hope, and then we're like, fuck, we're not going to that show. <laughs> we're not going to that. Yeah, I still have originally. I still have mine too. Originally, they rescheduled it for like July, didn't they, or something like that? Yep, they did. And, and then we're like, "Oh, maybe we'll get to do it." And then I was like, "No." I was like, "Motherfucker, man!" Like the one thing I wanted, and I couldn't get it. Thanks, COVID. Fuckers. Um, really quick too. Um, odds are this match is not going to be able to be shown. Um, they're real good about copyright striking these. Uh, yep. These newer matches. Oh, he just Ooh. walloped him with a fucking boot to the face. The cell job is so good for a big man too, just flopping oh. down. The the arrogance to just step over Keith Lee and a guy Dijak's size should not be doing a move like this. But it makes sense it, in a match with a guy like Keith Lee. But it it's amazing how he could just pull this shit off. So corkscrew moonsault, flawless looking. 
I got to put over to you, the crowd is hot this entire match. And it just, it shows that this is, this is their brand, man. This is NXT. Here's and I, I feel like, I feel like I'm not, the, we're not the only people who felt like this was their brand. I felt like there was a weird connection with every NXT fan. Every time we went to an NXT show, it was like that. And then um, it's just kind of well, wild. A lot of it is, is because we watched this thing grow from being just at full sale and from their first special to kick off the network, pretty much just test everything out to what it became. Like we were part of the reason they started going to arenas. We were the part of the reason it kept getting bigger. Cause like we went to every live event we probably could within a 150 mile radius when it came to here. I mean, we went to Charlotte, we went to Nashville multiple times to Nashville. Uh, we went to Knoxville. So um, I think the only place we might not have went was Georgia when they came to Georgia, but yep. we, we went, we went to as many of these shows as we could. Hell, we even went to Florida to a taping at the yeah. Cruiserweight Classic. So this was our brand, man. We traveled for this thing. Like we we wanted it to grow and keep supporting it. There's that damn it, flaring oh, up yeah, for the clothesline here. Like, Bring it on, on bitch. Oh these aren't like soft lariats, dude. They're he's either throwing them. There right it is. There. I love this spot. They hit each other, crumple down. And the thing of it is, is they could do this with each other because they've wrestled each other so much over the last four, three, four years. So this, this isn't like their first rodeo, even in NXT. I mean, we talked about it in the, you know, talking about the competitors, they wrestled all over the Indies against each other. So if anybody is going to be able to pull a good match out of either one of these two guys, it's each other. Yeah, I, I like the way that NXT would format their shows because, you know, usually with the takeovers, they would always have a really good match to open the show. They would have a great tag match. They'd have a really good woman's – what a wallop right there. A great women's match and then a, a main event that kind of would, you know, be you know a culmination of something. So uh, the way that they booked was so good, and, and I think that's another reason why we liked it so damn much. Well, and I'll say tell you, like, just on that wallop right there, you don't see a lot of sales like that, just where a guy hits you and you just crumple. Like, you don't see that in wrestling a whole lot at all now. It's a very kind of old-school thing. You take a clothesline, your ass hits the ground because there's so much power behind it. Oh, Put, yeah. Putting over Keith Lee's strength, pretty, a good ton of, good amount here, too. This is something a big this man, spot 300 is wild, pounds, dude. can do either. <clears throat> Shout out to that ref. He's always his good. Way. Too. Oh. He is a great ref. I don't know his name. Um, he's a, he is a great ref. But they're good. This spot is pretty damn awesome because Keith Lee's straddled over the top rope in the corner, and Dijak mm. is getting up, almost like to give him like a super attitude adjustment. And he he pretty much gets Keith Lee in that fireman's carry, and he stands up on that. Look at the rope. crowd. Look at him. Just start standing up. He stands up. Oh, oh. the reverse the Death Valley. Look at, look at the crowd. Spin a Death Valley driver. Two. I could remember watching that when the show, we actually watched the show. I was like, man, that's that's probably going to be it. He's pulling out something we haven't seen to beat him. Did not. Let me see here. I want to see if the crowd is, is, is hyped for this. Oh, you can see him. NXT. The only shaking the room. This Look at that. Scale. Slow motion it. Oh, that was awesome. That Oof. is great. Oh. And you know the thing is, yeah, that it, it, he, 
when he hit, it wasn't like he bounced. It was like a dead fall. Like he he hit the mat. There was no give. It just like it just went. He didn't bounce up. It was crazy. Just hit it and stopped. Here we go. Oh, Elbows. Bounce. Oh, his head fucking hits <laughs> oh, the middle oh. fucking turnbuckle. Oh, it is it is. I love the pounce, man. I love I loved Monty Brown. So anytime I see someone else use it, I love it. But watch his fucking head right here as it whips back. Ooh. Just crumples. Rough. Just, uh, as they're God, making man. their way to the outside of the ring, Travis. I gotta ask you, cagematch.net users, what do you think they rated this match out of ten? We'll go eight point five. Cool. Eight point three seven out of ten. Well, uh many say it's one of the best big man matches. There of a WWE and it was uh, in front of a red hot crowd. And they are really quick to say this is match of the night for this pay-per-view. Yeah. I mean, I would, I would agree with that. I mean, it's a combination. There are a few, these guys work real well together. Um, I personally, I thought it would be a little higher than 8.5 just because people, I thought they would love the hard hitting style. So I went, I went conservative and I actually went higher than that. What they thought. Uh, so I'll go ahead and knock it out as we're, you know, we're about to get this crazy spot here and it's building up to it slowly. Uh, Grizzly Magnum. <laughs> Hold on. The, cra- the crowd legit gets completely quiet and he chops them overhanded. Boom. James in his chest. Goes, oh, it's amazing. So Mount- Mountie Mark of the Week, Travis, him friendly, wrote oh. four out of ten. Ugh, Bret Hart. Real talk. I have absolutely no idea why people say these two have chemistry with one another. Laughing my ass off. If you think so, please do yourself a favor and check out Ibushi Naito, Okada Tana, oh God, uh, Hiromu up. Lee, Hiro Saber, Osprey Kushida, or even Gargano Almas. These are real pairs with actual chemistry. The yep, problem yep. is... I. Hold on. The, the problem I have uh, with this pairing is that they already did everything they can in their PWG match. The following matches, they tried really hard to outdo themselves while being a bit different each time, but they just can't seem to do it. And I don't think even think that their pro wrestling gorilla match is that great either. Their pro wrestling gorilla match was a nonstop sprint. Both guys hit 30 moves per minute with little to no downtime. Uh, it was impressive, so it worked. I'm going to let this spot happen before I continue. Yeah. He has more to read, and he, he's about to springboard. And this was the coolest fucking spot oh. I've ever seen at the time. He Keith Lee is in one of the announcer's chairs and Dijak springboard flips over onto Keith Lee. It is incredible to see. A springboard sent Tom Bomb into the chair on top of him. Kudos to that chair for not busting the hell up either, because that was a hell of a lot of man hitting that. If you look chair, if, when I watch this back on the replays, how close it was for Dijak hitting his head. On the mat. Watch here. This this was the, yep. the camera view. Watch his head. Look at that. Oh, caught him. Dude, caught him. Essentially helped him out there. Here we can see it again here. Oh, he came close. He tucked that chin, but damn, that was close. Let me finish this bad boy real quick. This time around, they slowed the pace down, and all their respective flaws showed up. Dijak's control segment was terrible, which makes Lee's comeback uneventful. The strikes were sloppy as hell. Every transitions were awkward and rough. The emotions felt forced, and of course, the selling were non-existing as always. There's just too much to criticize. This is a match uh, to rely solely on high spots. 
with everything in between being absolutely horrible and the closing stretch wasn't even remotely satisfying as well. Such a nothing match filled with nothing. I think his reviews <laughs> filled with fucking nothing, dude. Like he did not watch the same match. And, and, and oh. guess what, buddy? Um, not everybody on fucking this watching NXT watched their fucking PWG match. So uh even sick me is gonna call this guy a fucking loser. Um, cause guess what, man? Not everybody watched PWG. This is sometimes the first time people were seeing some of this on a bigger fucking stage than that damn big old hall in Reseda that they fucking wrestled in. Sorry, I mean I can appreciate this is PWG. impressive. Oh god, yeah, that was pretty impressive there. Oh, but that but that's the thing, man. Jesus, this guy thinks, and he freaking no sells it because he got bounced so hard he popped up. But that's the thing, man. Not everybody has seen that. So go ahead and take that out of the equation. And for him to say this match is nothingness apparent on top of nothingness, he's not watching the same match I am. There's plenty of high impact moves, risk taken. Um, the counters are great. Oh, a kick out. And look at the just the look on his face. But that's the thing, man. Like the strikes are meant to be like they're knocking the shit out of each other. They're not supposed to look crisp. They're not supposed to look like a new Japan match where I'm sorry, but half your New Japan matches you just mentioned go 30, 30 moves a minute. Have you seen an Osprey match? Just saying. Osprey hits backflip, hits his knees, stares at you, jumps up, it's a gear kick. Trust me, we watched a match on here that was 30 moves a minute, and I fucking liked it. It was the one for White Wolf Wrestling, so you could suck a dick, dude. Just saying, right now, this match is hard-hitting as hell. They put their bodies on the line. The crowd is hyped for it, so your little cage match review is fucking null and void. Sorry, buddy. Four out of ten, my ass. I do want to point out too uh, that I think he's he's I think everything he said was wrong. He's allowed his opinion, but it, to me, it's wrong. Um, Hall of Famer uh, Mountie Marks, the Nasty Yaffa, and T Swifty also both hated this match. I did not write what they put. Uh, they both did not like this match, and I just thought it was the damnest thing because to me, this match is pretty fucking good. This match is awesome, dude. It's like it's a big bad match. It's one of the best. Big man matches you'll see, like not just because they're big man, but just the athleticism involved in it, the risks that are taken. They're pulling out moves that you would not see from dudes this size to beat each other. It makes sense in their backstory. I know you nasty yeah, I love CM Punk and old school or more, you know, more style of wrestling, more moves, not a lot of flash. I mean, but I really just don't understand how they don't think this match is entertaining on some level. Yeah, and my thing too is I can like they were talking about transitions. They're big men. They're supposed to look like they've been wore down. They're not cruiserweights, you know what I mean? And now, you know, Keith Lee's getting back and Dijak had the upper hand, or did he? You know, Keith Lee hits him yeah. and he's gonna make his way to the top rope. And these guys kind of popular popularized big men doing Spanish flies. And I don't think I've really seen a whole lot other than these guys doing it with at this size. It, every time I see it, it's fucking impressive. Oh, yeah. I mean, and that's the thing of it is. It's like it's always going to be impressive because these two gigantic men are doing it. I'm sorry it's not, a, you know, a Bushi and Dragon Lee or whatever doing it, you know, where it's more graceful with the arches in their back and they probably do little hand wings while they do it. But this is two meaty-ass men about to just – break this ring this would have been a great ring break spot to be honest oh. <laughs> with those two guys and he rolls right in 
to to the cover. Fucking great. He knows he has them. He has them reeling. Is he going to get them here? He's going to try to go for Feast of Your Eyes, and he's he's so tired. He's like, no, can't get him up. Oh, can't can't like, get him oh. up. Stumbles back. I'm sorry, that transition is sloppy. You know, he probably didn't mean to do that. He can't get him his backs done. Keith Lee. Up. Oh. What One, does he call that? Two, three. Oh, my Lord. Uh, Mara Ronaldo said it like three times in the match where he hit it. But, <clears throat> I mean, I think it's a good match. Is there some things that I would nitpick? Yes. But shit there, sit there just straight shit on it. Nah, man. You're wrong. This has been on AEW television. Tony Kamala gave it six stars and jizz to it six times. So, you know, whatever. I heard that. I heard he would. <laughs> Safe work environment. Safe work environment. A big I love that belt. Big bang catastrophe. I love that belt. Still love that belt. Grew on me because at the beginning I was like, oh, man. And it's like a throwback red red strap just was its own like unique belt. I fucking loved it. Well, it looks like this, the national title is what that was. That's the kind of the yep. same vibe it's going for. And that, that is still a wild spot to watch. Oh, that was good. This, uh, I thought that was good. Apparently the, I'm not a big fan of uh, anime, uh, but it has a uh, Dragon Ball Z name. That's where he gets that from. Somebody yeah, skip would know. Yeah, he would know. Hi, Skip. Scott <laughs> would probably know, too. <clears throat> yeah, they, you're probably right. Uh, as, as we're seeing the last little bit here, Travis, um, you're going to see these guys get up and shake hands. Uh, what, what, what would you rate this match? I mean, I'd say 8.5, 8.75. I thought they took a lot of risks. Like, is it a chain wrestling classic? No. Are there some spots where you could tell, like, okay, they're looking at what's coming next kind of thing? Like, you know, they've wrestled each other so many times, so they're waiting on a spot. You could see that a little bit of this match, but I mean, the guys beat the hell out of each other. It's a great big man match. Commentary's great. Refereeing's great. There's a lot of there's a lot of spots in it, but like to me, it's not meant to be a Matt Classic. It's not meant to be exchanging holds, exchanging holds. That's not who these guys are. That's not the type of wrestling they do. And to, it puts it over like they're going to willing to take any risks to beat each other. So I'd say eight point seven five. I think it's, I think it's a great big bad match. I think there's a lot of thrills and excitement. The crowd loved it. Um, I think they could have cleaned it up a little bit with some of the things. But I mean, I would watch this match again. When we watched it, I thoroughly enjoyed it as much as I did the first time because I probably hadn't watched it, what what since the first time. And the same for me. I hadn't watched it since then. Um, the crowd ate it up and he, he put him over and he's telling him to pose too, that he deserves it. Um, because, uh, I, they both, they I really both think the wrong man won, but that's just me. I think if you I wanted agree. to put a, put a stamp on die Jack and with the push, you, I thought they were going to give Keith Lee. I thought the wrong man won at the time. I agree. I would give this match an 8.5 solid 8.5. No. Let me see Champa there. What is your reasoning, sir? Travis, I would give it an 8.5 just because I believe um, everything about it, the story building up to it, 
The guys have a storied history. They knew they knew each other. They knew each other's moves. They did everything they could to kind of top one another. Um, I just feel like uh, there's a few. There are a few spots that do feel a little clunky. Um, I do feel like uh, not the transitions necessarily, but just there's a lot. There is a little bit of kicking and punching. Like instead of just going into something else. Um, but I mean, it, it, for a big man match, it's it's probably one of the best big man matches I've ever seen. So easily an eight point five or eight point seven five for me. Yeah, I mean, kind of the same way I feel. Like I mean, there's a there's a couple of spots where I feel like they're just waiting to get to the next big spot. Whereas you know, there's not a <laughs> a real rhyme or reason to get to that spot. And that's earlier in the match. I mean, after that, it starts picking up and they just start getting to the groove. But it's like they're trying to get to that groove. They don't they don't uh start out in that groove if that makes any sense i agree uh travis the aftermath the weeks following dijakovic would confront keith lee one in another match for the title which keith lee accepted lee would retain but after the match priest attacked keith lee with a nightstick but was sent retreating by dijak only for lee to leave dijak lane on the march 25th episode of nxt priest and dijak Keep wanting to call him Dijakovic, but we're going to call him Dijak. Uh, challenged Lee for the title, and the match was scheduled for the April 1st episode where Lee retained pinning Dijak. At NXT Great American Bash, Keith Lee would win a winner-take-all match against Adam Cole to become the NXT champion, and also um, the, he would retain the North American Championship. After Keith Lee's NXT Championship win against, against Adam Cole, Dijak was challenged by Keith Lee for both the NXT and North American championships on the following episode of NXT television, but was unsuccessful in capturing the titles from Keith Lee. Keith Lee would then relinquish the North American championship, holding only the NXT championship. Dijak would be attacked by Karrion Cross during a backstage interview, resulting in a match between the two on the July 22nd episode of NXT, which Dijak lost. The mark, this marked his final appearance on NXT before he would show up as a member of retribution known as T-Bar. I don't even want to talk about it. It was bad. No, it was not it, good. It was bad. It was not good. It's it's so bad. Keith Lee would hold on to the NXT Championship until Takeover Thirty, losing the championship to Karrion Cross in what would be Keith Lee's final match in NXT. I do want to tell you really quick. Karrion Cross debuted at the worst fucking time because if the crowd would have been there for his his entrance when it first happened, super over money. Super. Over. It was so good, dude. So good. I enjoyed Carrie Cross when he first came out. Then, yeah, they uh, they kind of they kind of ruin him with the um, the demolition mask when he comes up to the main roster. That's another Vince McMahon deal. So skirt your demolition mask. Oh God, Keith Lee would get caught up uh, to Raw and have a huge debut facing Randy Orton. Then Keith Lee would go on to uh, face Randy Orton and defeat him clean at Payback. Uh, he would move on to big matches with AJ Styles and Drew McIntyre around this time as well. Lee was then scheduled to face Matt Riddle and Bobby uh, Bobby Lashley for the U.S. Championship at the Elimination Chamber, but was pulled from the event due to an injury. Lee was absent for five months due to a COVID-19 diagnosis following, uh, following by heart inflammation. So he had heart inflammation due to COVID-19, so a lot of uh, people were, were scared. He was scared as well um, with his health. Yeah, he had complications uh, to COVID, um, and <clears throat> you hear about those. But but then a, a guy like this who was pretty much in line for a huge push and 
like no one's really talking about what's going on with him. And then to find that out after the fact was a scary, scary thing. Yeah, it was uh, it was a pretty scary time because uh, we didn't know anything about him. I know Mia Yim, of course, he and Mia, Mia Yim were dating at the time. They're married now, um, or they may have gotten married around. I can't remember exactly when he got married, but uh, uh, she would put that he was okay, but he was just kind of recovering and he just kind of didn't. I think he's, he was kind of in his own head probably. And, you know, thinking he may have had this big opportunity kind of squandered because of this, you know, because of COVID-19. If, if COVID wouldn't have happened, Keith Lee may have been on the main roster a lot sooner and it's hard yeah. telling what would have happened. I think he would have probably not been in AEW right now. If he'd have been on the main roster when, uh, if there would have been no COVID, then he could have continued that run. He was on, I think he would still be in the WWE today. I agree. Uh, he would return on the July 19th, 2021 episode of Raw, accepting Bobby Lashley's WWE Open. He was WWE champion, so accepting his open challenge, but was defeated. Uh, during the following months, Lee began to work as Keith Bearcat Lee, or Bearcat Lee. But on November 4th, 2021, Lee was released from his WWE contract. Yeah, the Bearcat thing was fucking stupid. And then they put him in a singlet, too, instead of his... Uh tights and trucks he was known for um and when they shaved the beard off of him when he was bearcat he just looked so much older and i just think that was a disservice to him i think the bearcat thing i get they wanted him to have like a nickname but he already had one man he was limitless keith lee and uh you bastard his glory wasn't wasn't their idea so wasn't vince's idea but that i mean he was ready made man and that's a Another example of somebody doing something to someone that was already like ready made that they should have never touched. Carrying Cross, how could you not see Carrying Cross and Scarlet as money? Why did you not break Scarlet up with him? It was perfect. They were a perfect duo, perfect team. Like it just did not make any sense, man. It's like, and and we saw it. And after when Triple H got whatever happened to triple H with his heart and stuff. NXT was demolished. Everything that was in his image at NXT was gold. These guys were triple H guys, not Vince McMahon guys. And it's like everything triple H established. That was great. Vince McMahon made it a point to be like, nah, see, I told you they wouldn't make it kind of thing. And I feel like that was a lot with those two guys. It's like triple H made them. They were stars. They it's were like, ready. And he just like shit all over them. No, no pun intended. Like- Put it in, fuck. It's almost like they got brought up and Vince McMahon cut them cut their arms off and they drowned. And Vince is like, Well, they couldn't even swim. Why 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 would you look at them? And it's like, no, Vince, you cut their arms off. They can't fucking swim when they have no arms. No, look, look, you know, they're, they're drowning. No, this is your fault, Paul. That's same, essentially what I took from it. Same thing with Malachi Black or Alistair Black, if you want to say, you know, dude was fucking buddy. He could have been your next in the vein of an undertaker, the entrance, the, the tattoos, the mystique, and you killed it. So, oh, man, I'll never get it. And this time period, it was very rough to be a fan. Um, but that's the match, Travis. That's this week's episode. Another NXT match in the books, part of our favorite brand. Uh, on to next week, Travis. Uh, guys, if you're new to the podcast, if uh, 
uh, you never listen. This is how we decide which match we're covering next week. Uh, essentially, myself, Travis, and a couple of our buddies, we have an ongoing list of matches that we think are pretty good, our wrestling recommendations. Uh, these matches span from 1978 all the way to 2024. Um, they involve pretty much every organization you can think of, from the WWF, WCW, WWE, NWA, TNA, AEW, New Japan Pro Wrestling, uh, NGW, the show I'm involved with, pretty much anything in between. Um, but what we do is we take all those matches, which we're sitting at 317 matches right now, Travis. We added a few more to the list. Um, pretty much uh, we take all those matches. We put them into uh, a randomizer, the Will of Names, which we call the Will of Destiny. Um, shuffle it, spin it, and whatever it lands on, that's what we cover. It's a complete shoot. We, uh, we have no idea what we're going to cover until we do this for our following week, which makes research very fun and tedious sometimes, um, especially when, when one of us is not feeling good or we're busy doing sports with their kids. So it's usually what we're both doing. So, uh, Travis, this week, what do you think we're going to get? Man, I am going to go... 97, 98 WCW. I'm going like 93 WCW. I've I've been my trek has taken me very very weird places with my WCW Saturday night uh, watch along. Uh, I've been going through all the WCW Saturday night 92 watching the pay per views. Halloween Havoc 92, such a terrible show. I do not recommend <laughs> anybody watch it. It is so bad. You're getting towards the end of the Bill Watts era. You're getting there. Uh, <clears throat> Barbarian wrestles uh, Ron Simmons. Fun fact, uh, you know, because it is Black History Month. Uh, Tony Atlas sets them back about 200 years because Tony Atlas comes out there with Mick Foley, cuts Mick Foley off and tells Ron Simmons that he should not be WCW champion. His exact words were, you should be shining shoes and picking cotton because you should not be a champion. I said, what the fuck? The following week, they didn't say that's a black the man saying week, that to a black, black yes, man saying that to a black the, man. On the following yeah. week, they bleep it out. But the first week, they did not bleep it out. So it's like, what was the point of bleeping it out the second time? I don't know. Oh, man, it's bad. Well, uh, but however, we are getting some cool inklings because the, the Hollywood Blondes are essentially about the form. They're, they're starting to team up. Pillman just turned heel. There was an unsurprising... Uh, Scott Steiner turned heel for like a cup of coffee in WCW. I had no idea that it happened. Well... Yeah, and you posted that video on our TikTok, and it got a lot of views. Like, he wins the television title. It's it's a weird time. I am uh, on my 2000s trek. I've start, started that back up. Um, I just got to WrestleMania 2000, and the or sorry, 16, as Brandon A. Lene from Canada A. <laughs> Stupid cuck uh, would say. Um, and I just realized that I'm at the official relaunch of WCW with Bischoff and Russo. I don't remember because I had kind of stopped watching WCW at the time because it was bad. Um, but they literally for two weeks ask everybody what they think. And then before the reboot, they do a best of show, which is the night after WrestleMania 2000. Uh, WCW does a recap show for Nitro and Thunder. And then the following week is when they strip all the champions. So kind of smart. They do a recap show the week they know no one's going to watch their product because WrestleMania's catching the aftermath. But, uh, there's a match between Taz and Chris Benoit for the Intercontinental title on Raw the night after WrestleMania that I had completely forgot about. And it was really good until Perry Saturn interfered. And then I was like, fuck, can't put it on the list. That's like the, that's like the go-to around this time period. There's great matches and they have shit finishes. Benoit has white wrist tape, too. It's so weird. He must weird. have forgot his black wrist tape, but he has white wrist tape. And I was like, ugh, no. <laughs> At least he had wrist tape. That's pet peeve. Yeah, Kurt Angle. 
He's okay. He gets a pass. I've told you that. Uh, let's, Travis, let's spin this back. I think we're going to get 93 WCW. You said 97, 98 WCW. Uh, let's give her a spin. Maybe we'll get Savage and DDP finally. I'm really excited for that. You had to mention it. We're not going to get it now. Maybe we'll get way of Briggle in 93. You mentioned it. We're not going to get it. <laughs> Fuck you. Oh, hey, the deal. Up, up, up. Ooh. This is a good one, man. Um, ECW 98. CW ninety eight, big feud in ninety eight, ninety eight, ninety eight. It's not no RVD and Jerry Lynn's ninety nine, right? So that can't be it. Um, ninety eight. It's not Taz and Bam Bam. It, it is Taz, Taz and Bam Bam. Yeah, they're Living not- dangerously ninety eight. Bam You're Bam Bigelow. Woke. And I'm not even ECW fan, and I fucking got that. <laughs> hey man, we actually were. T- I was telling you a couple of episodes back. I was looking forward to an ECW episode because we've only had one ECW episode on the podcast, and it's it was an early episode. It's not yeah, and it's before it really caught fire. '95 is a good year because they bring in all that outside talent that eventually gets poached inside by other promotions. But this is during the. 98-99 is like the height of ECW. Like, it is popularity after the first pay-per-view in 97, of course. But, like, bad, big stars are showing up. Like, Bad Bad Bigelow, Taz is a main man. Um, RVD's taken off. Tommy Dreamer's there. The Dudleys. Um, it is, like, the most vintage w- ECW that can happen. And um, I'm actually looking forward to covering that because this is, this is the first Bad Bad match we've had, right? And Taz match. Uh, second Batman match, he was a part of Bret Hart's King of the Ring run. Oh, yeah. Forgot. Yep. Okay. Forgot about that. But, yeah. So, I mean, really looking forward to covering that, though, because we get to talk about Bam Bam and the flames on his wrist, leaving, goes to ECW. Uh, we get to talk about Taz. Uh, we have not got to talk about that guy yet. And he has an interesting career up to that point from coming from the Taz Maniac, breaking his neck, um, which we were actually covering some of that on wrestling ruin back in the day because this is 95 was around the time he breaks his neck and he comes back as the serious guy with team taz and shit yeah this is also of course the famous match where they go through the ring yep and it's really good it's a really good ecw match and uh taz is not known for doing a lot of like hardcore wrestling he's just suplexing the hell out of people boys and it's funny because i mentioned taz and crispin was and then we get a damn taz match that's right that is when you you put this on us, uh, Travis. What you got for us? Uh not much, man. Uh, just still selling stuff on the eBay over there. TG on the Man Twelve. Still haven't put anything new up in a while. Still been busy at work. I've been sick, so and we felt like taking a bunch of pictures and doing anything. We gotta gotta get it back on that. Um, with it warming up now, I have a little bit more free time. I think to do that. Um, shout out to the guys, the rest of Purist. I'm pretty sure I have a podcast coming up with them. In March, um, we cover, we're going to cover WrestleMania 11, which is a shit-tastic show. We've covered that on Wrestling Ruin. If you want to look that up in the archives with our uh, good buddy, Brandon A. Lene from Canada A. from Rants for the Black Lodge. Um, shout out to him and uh, Fat Tony over there. Fat Tony's my mortal enemy, so he can go fuck himself. But, um, <laughs> you know, uh, shout out to those guys at Frankacon. Tickets are on sale now for that if uh, – you want to go see those guys and support them. I might show up and hit them with a steel chair. So get your cameras ready and uh, be sure to check out the magazine over there. Juicykruger.com. We have articles in those. The second, second uh, magazine should be coming out pretty soon here. 
with our write-up on Halloween Havoc. So looking forward to that. Uh, buy a magazine, support a good cause. All proceeds go to charity. Um, and that's about it for me. You know, you know, shout out to the guys up there at Bleeding John. We are recording on a Wednesday night. I have not had a chance to check to see if John Moxley bled tonight. I know he had a match. So really anxious to see what those guys are doing with that. Um, but they're doing the Lord's work, man. Really appreciate uh really appreciate them getting that out there for the wrestling fans and uh people that hate John Moxley. So also John Moxley probably read uh bled while I said that, so we're good. <laughs> Yeah, guys, uh, definitely check out uh, Wrestling Recommendations on Facebook and on TikTok. Uh, I know we, we had some videos go, like we were talking about the Scott Steiner Hill turn in 1992 that we all forgot about. I wasn't, We weren't the only ones. A lot of people were like, I don't remember this. My brother didn't remember it either, and even Brandon didn't remember it. So, And he's an avid WCW lover. So uh, this is right, that was right before the Steiner brothers left for WWF. Uh, Steiner actually leaves as the TV champion. That's It, goes, it gets vacated because he... Leaves the company as champion. Um, so check us out on there. Check us out on X slash Twitter at Wrestling Recom, R-E-C-O-M-M. Um, check out all of our new episodes uh, as they come to. Um, NGW, guys, show I'm involved with. We have our bar show coming up. Um, out of Luck, Project Violence 4, taking place at the Brickyard Bar and Grill on uh, St. Paddy's Day, March 17th. So if you're in the Knoxville area, come check us out. No ring, no rules, baby. Until uh, next week, Travis, no ring, no rules. Talking about you know Extreme, ECW, Bam Bam Bigelow, and Taz for the ECW television title at uh, Living Dangerously 98. Survive. Until then, if I let you. I am Eddie, this is Travis, and we will talk to you then.